Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 309. Any sort of convenience foods that I maybe would have had in the pantry but that I ran out of, I'm like, well, maybe I can just make it myself. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I'm so happy that you're here with me today. I want to start off with an important reminder. As you know, I sponsor the At Home Craft and Gift Show. This is a virtual shopping show that gives you the opportunity to reach a national consumer audience. It's coming up next month, starting April 14th to be exact. There's still time to participate in this show if you're interested. To hear all about it, go back to episode 304, so that's just a couple episodes back. And in that show, Robert, one of the owners of At Home Events, and I talk all about virtual shows in general and the at-home craft and gift show specifically. Since we go into all of the detail there, I'm not going to repeat it here, other than saying you really do want to consider this show. And don't worry if you don't feel like you're prepared, even if this is your first show. We walk you through everything. Go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash at-home booth to register. And then... Don't forget to enter in the code GIFTBIZ10 to get an extra 10% off your booth. Cassie, our guest today, exhibited at this show last December. You'll hear her experience with the show, but we're going to start way back before that. Cassie's going to share with you the development of her business from the very beginning. You'll hear a perfect example of taking the right steps in the right order to start and grow a business. And, dramatic pause, (laughs) all this while working a full-time job outside the home and raising two children. It is inspiring and it is motivating. Let's do this. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Cassie Menchover. Cassie is the owner of Cassie's Country Cupboard, a small food manufacturing company based in rural West Central Ohio. Cassie has loved cooking from a young age and has held a variety of positions in the food world, including short order cook, quality assurance inspector at a rice cake factory, and as a summer camp cook assistant. Cassie's Country Cupboard began in 2011 as a small cottage food-based business and has grown into a commercial business serving customers nationwide with the help of Cassie's husband, Kurt, and her two sons, aged 9 and 12, along with creating pantry items such as soup starters, baking mixes, and spice blends. Cassie also offers co-packing services to small companies who want to expand without investing in huge amounts of product. And I am going to attest that her mixes, spice blends, and everything that she makes is absolutely, fabulously, super (laughs) yummy. Cassie, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thanks for having me, Sue. I'm so excited you're here. 
And I was telling you already in the pre-chat that when I told my husband that we were going to be talking this morning, he's like, oh, the garlic beer bread. (laughs) And I have to order that in multiples these days, as you know. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Sounds like I'm going to have to keep our pantry always stocked with that. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just glad that I can finally find flour again, because in 2020, it was a little difficult there for a little bit. Oh, my gosh. I bet. I bet that's true. Well, let me start off as we always do, which is by having you describe yourself in a creative, traditional way that has come with the show, and that is through a motivational candle. So if you were to share with us a little bit more about you by making your own motivational candle, what would it look like by color and quote? Well, I actually have the candle that I'm going to describe on my bathroom counter right now. And it's white with shells in the wax. So you can see the shells all of the time. And the white is because I love white sandy beaches far more than I love the white snowy background that I have right now. But (laughs) white is pretty even when it's snow. But white sandy beaches is where my heart goes whenever I want to think about relaxing. And so for the quote on the candle... I am a frugal person, both in words and in money and just my life in general. So I have two very short quotes that I would put on there. Do no harm and love thy neighbor. And that comes into my life and on a personal level, because going back to that beach, if I take my family to the beach, I don't want our footprint to last. So if we bring stuff there, it needs to be taken back with us. And I try and teach our children that when we leave, we also need to pick up anything that we see someone may have left behind as well. So that's how we're loving our neighbor is by making our time there at the beach so that even people that come after us don't have to see what was left behind. And then as far as with the business, so I have no harmful ingredients. So that's my do no harm. And then I love my neighbor by sharing gift baskets for nonprofit raffles. And I'm always available for recipe help and inspiration if somebody's like, I don't know what to do. Even if it's not one of my products, I love to help people come up with recipes that fit their life. These are beautiful statements and messages, and it sounds to me that they're clearly core values that you take into your business. Yes. So, love it. Well, talk to me about how Cassie's Country Cupboard got started. What was the pre-story right before that, and how did you decide you were going to get into this? Right. So, we live out in the sticks in Ohio. It's at least a 20-minute drive to a grocery store, and I was pregnant with my second child at the time. And with one kid, it's one thing, but when you start throwing another kid into the mix, going to the grocery store is not something that you're going to do if you don't have to. And any sort of convenience foods that I maybe would have had in the pantry that I ran out of, I'm like, well, maybe I can just make it myself. So think about your hamburger helpers and your Betty Crocker, different types of mixes like those. And I thought, well, the internet, I can find recipes for all of those. And as I developed these recipes for these convenience foods, I thought, well, I don't have to use a lot of the ingredients that I'm finding on the ingredient labels from the store shelves. I thought, well, maybe there's other people that would like that same product as well. Very simple convenience items that don't have the ingredients that nobody wants to see in their pantry. So from there, I thought, well, I'll try it at a farmer's market. And that was all in 2011. And it's been history ever since. Wow. So you were making them for yourself. And so were you having to test and tweak and adjust? Like every night, would you try a different little twist to it until you got things just right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of things were very simple. It was just flour, sugar, baking powder, and a a few other ingredients. And it was very simple. I'm like, well, why do we have to add all of the other preservatives and artificial flavors and artificial colors that taste the same or better without those added ingredients? So what is shelf life on most of your products? 
I give them a nine to 12 month shelf life. Most of them would be fine for two years or more if you store it correctly. But I am always assuming that the consumer isn't going to store it as I would recommend in a dark, cool place. So that's why I go for the nine months typically just to prevent something from happening because of how a consumer would use my product. Well, I can attest that if anyone tries your product, it is not going to be sitting on the shelf for that long. <laughs> for sure. Thank you. So gift biz listeners, can you tell I'm a huge fan? <laughs> so there's enough of a shelf life and you're right. There isn't the reason then to put in those additives at all. Right. So that goes back to your do no harm and love your neighbor, which is really love your customers by giving them something that's healthy. I'm thinking about the mixes that I have from you. It's so nice. Do you know the company HelloFresh? Yes. So we use HelloFresh in our house for dinner, which we just started really during COVID because that didn't require us then to go to the grocery store. But what I've loved so much about that is I don't need to have a whole cup of sour cream, for example, when I'm only going to use one teaspoon in the whole month or something like that, right? Right, yeah. And that everything is measured out, like it's giving me exactly the right ingredients that I need, all of that. Well, I'm going to say you were HelloFresh before HelloFresh. <laughs> That's interesting. But in the mixes and all of that, because it's so much easier not to have to measure for someone like me, I love being in the kitchen, but I don't have a lot of time to be in the kitchen. It allows me to do something that's much more home cooked than I would do because I'm not going to take the time to measure all that stuff out or buy it probably because so much of it's going to go to waste. Right. I've heard that a lot from a lot of people that they don't want to have the different spices on hand because they'll never use it again. So by having it already in the mixes, then they can just make that and come back again when they want more. Yeah, and they're assured that it's fresh and all of that. Fabulous. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about that first show. So did you start a formal business already or did you go to the farmer's market just to see what would happen? I can't remember for sure if I had my LLC already developed, but I had a name and I had a Facebook page, but it wasn't intense. I didn't have a bank account and I didn't have an accounting software or anything like that. It was just, yeah, let's see what happens. And I was surprised at the outcome of that first farmer's market, how interested everybody was in my products. Were you seeing that certain products sold more than others or like what were some of your other takeaways besides that people were so interested? <laughs> right. The spice blends were probably the easiest for people to buy because it's the least scary. I guess from a new producer, I was new to the farmer's market. They'd never met me before. And spice blends are something that's simple for them to purchase. They know that they're going to use them and they trusted me just by what I said there at the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. Things that were a little bit harder sells were the baking mixes, I guess, because they were more expensive than what you would get on the grocery store shelf. But once they came and tried them, then they did come back for more. Got it. And were there any surprises at that first show? That people stopped and talked to me. <laughs> that was the biggest surprise. <laughs> so positive surprises. Right. Would it be accurate to say that you went in without expectations? You were just going in and saying, hey, I made these mixes. Let's just see what happens. And either way it goes, it'll be interesting. But then you were obviously very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I didn't go in with the expectation of selling out of anything. And I did sell out of a few things. I went into it with this type of business because I thought about baking. I love to bake. But if you don't sell it, then you can't sell it the next week. But these shelf-stable products, I knew if I didn't sell it that first week, I'd bring it back the next and the next. And that really helped me be secure in my belief that the business 
could happen. Okay. So when you signed up for that first farmer's market, were you signing up really for the whole season or just the one show? I think I did the whole season. That was a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. I'm stretching your memory here (laughs) a little bit. But hey, now, Cassie, seriously, that was 10 years. Yes, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) But a lot's happened for you in 10 years, too. Yes. Without remembering whether you were already established or not yet in terms of having your LLC, what were your next steps? Like once you saw affirmation that, yeah, people are interested and they're buying and they're coming back the next week and probably buying too. So you started building up your customer base. What were the steps that you took to put more structure to the business, I guess I'd say? And I'm asking that for people who are listening right now who are at that point where they're kind of thinking about starting. I would say packaging would be where I focused a lot of my time in the years to come was I just had an Avery label slapped on there with the words. I had no logo, anything like that. So the logo work, the packaging, making sure that it was going to keep everything fresh like it needed to, those types of things is where I went towards the, I knew the product was good, but it needed to be kept safe and it needed to look good too, because we all know that we eat with our eyes before our tongues first. Right. Well, we make a first impression about the business overall with the packaging for sure. Okay, so you went from an Avery label, and what was your container then at the time, the very first shows? I'm talking about in the very beginning. Was it even just Ziploc bags? Really, it was. Ultimately, it was a Ziploc bag. It just wasn't the Ziploc brand. And I also had the craft paper coffee bags, like the tin tie that you fold down. That was some of it, too. But they didn't keep things fresh because it wasn't sealed really tightly when they were in those craft bags. So I did move up to more plastic, which we can talk about that later, too, by change from some of the plastics, too. I'm trying to make the point here for people who think they have to have everything in place perfectly before they start, and then they never do. Oh, yeah, I've moved. You're a good example. Like, you'll start, see that there's a market, and see that people will buy. And then, of course, you're making some money now, too. So you can invest that into upgrading your imagery, your labels, your packaging, mm-hmm. all of that. So it's an evolution. And I just want everyone to really understand that. And you are talking about it's perfect. I didn't know we were going to get into this, but that's perfect. Yeah. All right. So I'm guessing you were making it all from your kitchen at that point? Yes, because the Ohio Cottage Food Laws allowed different dried baking mixes to be sold under that law. Okay. And how did this fit into your life at that time? Were you mom with two kids, one of them a baby, of course? Right. Did you have another job? Like, how did this fit into your overall? I like to tell people when they're like, how do you have time? And I said, well, something has to give. And honestly, housekeeping, except for the kitchen, was what had to give and sleep, too. So you had an excuse. That's good. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, because working full time, I had an hour and a half commute total a day. I'm dropping kids off at daycare. The kids got involved too. They would help stir the bowls of different products and they would help package as they got older. My husband was a great help. And when I was at the farmer's market, the kids cleaned the house. So it all worked together to make it happen. Oh, that's beautiful. And are you still working today? The great thing is that I have switched jobs to an eight minute commute one way. So that has changed things a lot for me. And I can come home at lunch because I'm so close to home. And even my current employer is a great supporter. They love to share my products with their other friends and family as well. Are they your testers sometimes? 
sometimes they always complain when they see a recipe that I haven't brought in to work to share. (laughs) Added perks for them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And what do you do? What's your other job? I work for an agricultural sales and service company, and I do a lot of the purchasing and I do payroll. Since we're a small family-owned business, I do a lot of everything. So those skills have also probably helped you with Cassie's Country Covered. Oh, absolutely. I never even touched QuickBooks before I went to that business. And now QuickBooks is what I spend a lot of my time in. Mm -hmm. So I've decided to do QuickBooks for my business as well, because I've learned it so well at my nine to five. Yeah. Why would you not? Of course. Right. Yeah. I find so often that when people start a business on the side or decide they're going to merge into their own business or because of different situations, they find themselves out of a job. So many of the skills that they have had before can help them in some way and strengthen them within a current business that they're trying to start. So your model of that as well, Cassie. So this is great. (laughs) And I love that you're able to balance it. Can you talk a little bit more about how that works for you? Are you working your nine to five, five days a week? Yes, I work Monday through Friday. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm so sad that I miss out on a lot of your lunchtime Q&As because the time difference doesn't match with my lunch times. Right. I hear a lot of people talk about balance is really a lie. You just have to decide at any given time what it is you need to focus on. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's the business. Sometimes it's relaxing. Mm -hmm. You just have to make the choice of what is important at that given moment. Right. And I kind of feel like because I've done the same thing. I have two businesses right now, and I have to be sometimes in one business or sometimes in another business. And then even when my children were younger, same thing. What I always tried to do is just say, this is my block of time, and I'm single focusing on that versus wishing I was everywhere else. You know what I mean? Just staying focused. And being efficient probably, too, helps. Yes. (laughs) Share a little bit more about how the business evolved. So take us back where at that first summer... Then you started adjusting your packaging, as you've talked about. How have things progressed since then? A lot of my business really stemmed from the farmer's market. That May through September timeframe, that was my busy time. And when I was out of that season, I really didn't have much business because I wasn't front facing with any customers. I couldn't ship outside of state lines. I could ship within Ohio, but nobody knew about me if they didn't know me from the farmer's market. I spent a lot of time on Facebook sharing recipes, which is what has helped me grow a lot is when I share recipes, people share that then because recipes are something that people love to share. It's not something that feels salesy is that those recipes. So recipe development is something that I both love to do and it has really helped me as well. And as I became more popular at the farmer's market, I would eventually reach people who had other businesses where they wanted to bring my products in. Some people I had to turn down because of the Ohio cottage food laws, but then if they were restaurants or grocery stores in Ohio, you can sell as a cottage food business. So I started to making my way into different stores that were able to sell, and that just helped spread the word more, get more customers. And eventually my husband was like, you need to stop complaining about where you can't go, and we need to get this building built for you because you can't go any further than where you are now until we can ship nationwide. And so it was my husband that really pushed and said, in 2019 that let's just do this because you can't go any further without making this jump. Okay, so I'm smiling because this is about the time that our paths crossed and I got to know you because now you're mentioning the building. So a lot of people here don't know what you're talking about. Share with us the details of the building. (laughs) Sure. In Ohio, 
like I said, with the cottage food laws, you cannot ship out of state. And that really is true for nearly every state. It becomes an FDA concern when you want to ship out of state. And that requires moving away from your home kitchen. There's really no way around that. And since we're in a rural community, that means there's a septic and there's also a well for your water, which is not all connected to the city. And you have to do a lot of work to make everything happy for the inspectors that are going to be part of this process. So it was a labor of love and tears for sure. And in March 2020, I did become certified with the FDA and the Ohio Department of Ag. And so you built a production facility? Yes, a food manufacturing facility. It is a step above a commercial kitchen. Okay. And where is it? It's on our property. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) We looked at a variety of places that we could have purchased and revamped, but the ability to just step outside my door and walk into another building is so much better. Again, it's 20 minutes to get anywhere from our home. And then you're looking at basically an hour of travel time when all I want to do is just go grab something from the building to ship out the next day. Well, yeah. I mean, efficiency-wise, like your day, you're not losing any time in commute, right? right? So that's perfect. And I really love the idea that as you were getting bigger, like this whole thing would have taken over your house. (laughs) Forget the fact that you couldn't do it legally. Right. But now there's like a mental switch too, probably, when you go into the manufacturing building versus your home. Yes, for sure. It was taking over even just under the cottage food laws, the amount of inventory that I had, we were building shelves and where I have, I call it our music room because I have a piano in there. So there were shelves of product in the music room, let alone in the kitchen. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, that can work out for a short time, but not long. That's for sure. Definitely. So are you able to call the boys in sometimes and say, hey, come and just help me for half an hour? Yep. (laughs) They'll do some mopping. They will unload product that comes. Amazon likes to visit our house on the daily. (laughs) They'll bring in packages. They'll unbox things. They're a big help when I need them to be. That's wonderful. And I just think on the financial end, too, it's got to be so great for you because you're not leasing from anybody. I mean, there's costs to maintaining the building and, of course, constructing it (laughs) to start with. Right. But after that you're not leasing. So in terms of overhead versus renting out someone else's facility, you're in a much better position there as well. And as with many businesses, I have low months and I have high months. You can't base that on cash flow when you're leasing. It's just you're going to lease whether it's a high month or a low month. And I can absorb that this way. Everything is working out pretty well, Cassie. (laughs) It sounds pretty (laughs) perfect. I remember the photo, it's in my mind's eye right now, of the day that you announced it on social media. You were standing right in front of the building. Yes. And like, it's a professional building. Until I found out that it was on your property, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was standing at my home just outside that building, yeah. So what happened to you in 2020? Like, you moved into that facility. I'm sure you had plans that were way different than what ended up happening. Definitely. I had so many shows that canceled, which didn't affect my new opportunities with being able to ship, but it really did affect it, I guess, because people would come to those shows and say, hey, can I ship it to my niece in Nebraska? Well, I didn't have those shows to talk to those people. So that did affect things. Thankfully, our farmer's market went so strong. We were delayed a week, but man, our public came and they supported us this past summer 
like I've never seen before. So that was an incredible opportunity. Again, I'm still in the farmer's market, which I could have done just staying in my kitchen. But the opportunities that came from the farmer's market, then I was able to keep going with the business shipping. People decided to purchase things online, even if they were going to pick up at the farmer's market to allow for less contact. They didn't have to pay me cash. They didn't have to handle credit cards. They already had it paid on. I just had a bag that I handed to them. So it all worked out except for those extra shows, especially in the busy holiday season that got canceled. Yeah. So probably, I mean, your business isn't growing as fast as it would have had 2020 not happened, but you were still moving forward. Yes. Where does the farmer's market sit in terms of your plan for this year? The way 2020 went with the farmer's market, I am so excited for May to come and we get that back up and running because I miss my customers that I met there. And it's going to be a huge part of my business yet this year as well. And what about the face-to-face shows? So far, nobody's really even talking about them. I have applied for one in-person show that is supposed to happen in November, and it did happen in 2020, but at a very reduced number of people coming in to the show. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that these different shows that got canceled will come back, but I'm not holding my breath. And what types of shows are they? Just different local craft shows for the most part. So they're still direct-to-consumer shows? Yes. Got it. Well, I could see them coming back. I mean, now I usually for my other business, the ribbon print company, we go to the bigger trade shows and the Philly candy show is up and running for September already. Good. They usually do two shows. They usually do a February show, but this one will bump and that's up. And I've heard of other people even now. Atlanta had a big show. So I'm optimistic that you'll see some of those shows popping up. Good. I just hope to see that the customers come back as well. Just because the show is there doesn't mean the customers will be there. So that's my concern. Yeah, it's true. You know what we found last summer was, and this was more fine arts shows, and obviously it was outside, that even though there were fewer customers, the customers who were coming weren't just passing through for a Saturday afternoon activity. They were intentionally coming to buy. Yes, I have seen that too, yes. So it'll be interesting to see, but you already have a plan in case none of that happens. Yes. (laughs) So that's good. I think this would be an interesting conversation for people who are listening. Can you describe to us a little bit your show setup? So people come to the farmer's market or the other show. I'm thinking that your setup might be similar. What does your table or your booth look like? I just have the simple white folding tables that I've covered with tablecloth in the farmer's market. It's just a tan, more home-like tablecloth. And then for the shows, I typically have the floor-to-table black-fitted tablecloths for those. And I've got some different racking that I use to bring some height to the tables with the different products showing on those different racks. And I just definitely try to have different levels. Mm-hmm. But still, I have level. I've noticed when I have it just on the table, people then have to bend over. And it's just so much better to have it at eye level if possible. What about signage, stating pricing or what the products are, any of that? I have all of my prices directly on the package because if they have to ask what the price is, they might not ask and they might just walk away because they're afraid of what the price is. Mm -hmm. Even if the price is higher than what they want to pay, they at least know what it is and they can think about it without having to ask what the price is. I have a large banner behind me with my logo. And then I also have a little bit of signage throughout my booth explaining that I don't have any artificial colors, artificial flavors or preservatives or MSG, that type of information. In case I'm with another customer, then they can see that without having to talk to me about it. 
Do you do any special smaller sized packaging for shows? Like if someone just wanted to grab one as a sampler? I didn't do any samples this year because of trying to keep hands off of my products that weren't going to be purchasing something. And then if you have a communal sample type thing where people would grab it from, then you're risking issues with that. Yeah. No, I was assuming that you wouldn't have given samples for people to taste. Like, would you normally do that pre-COVID? Yes, I would have. And that would have helped sales as well at the couple of shows that I did or at the farmer's market if I would have been able to sample. I think that that helps sales with food tremendously. Yeah, that's a good practice for sure. But what about a smaller package of what you already create that someone could pick up for $2 or something like just as a single serving little something? Do you have anything like that? I have a range of product pricing, anything from $3 up to about $10 or $12. So if people wanted to try just my brand, there are options that are in the 3 to $4 range mm-hmm. if they wanted to try it that way. Most of my products require a certain amount, like they need an entire egg. So for me to drop the amount of product in the package to tell them to use half of an egg would probably be difficult for most people. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was asking because I've talked with people before, and I've seen this at shows too, where people make, let's say, these big size cookies, and they'll give away those huge cookies when really your intent is they only need a sample because then you want them to buy. Right. <laughs> Once they've had a big cookie, they don't need it anymore. Yeah. Okay. I would love to talk a little bit about another thing you integrated into your sales strategy this past year. You were one of our, I'm going to call you a founding member <laughs> of the at home craft and gift show. This was the first time last December that I partnered with Robert and Holly, and we did this show for the holiday season. And I was so excited, Cassie, when you decided to come in and do the show, because I just knew your product would be so perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that you made that opportunity available to us. I was nervous. I really was. And we had that discussion that I just wasn't sure that it was really how I wanted to spend my dollars. But I'm so glad that I took the leap, especially after you gave me more information. The fact that it was going all the way through December rather than just those couple of days that we were going to be online, that was a huge push that if someone couldn't make it to the show on those days that we were live, at least they could shop later in the month as well. Well, not only that, but if they were there when you were live and then they got your product and then saw how great it was, they could still buy for gifts for the holidays, too. Yes. And I did have a customer that came back for more after having purchased the first round. I am not surprised (laughs) (laughs) at all. The other thing, I don't know if we had this conversation or not, Cassie, but for you, too, in this situation where most of your audience has always been local... You had a whole national audience at your disposal. Yes. The East Coast was my friend for this show, for sure. I never talked to anyone from New Jersey, I don't think, in my life. And on that day that we had the show, I was talking to people from New York and New Jersey the entire day. The show is coming up again. We're doing one in April and one in December. I want to just talk through a little bit more of your experience for some listeners who are possibly out there who are thinking about the show. Sure. You decided that you would do it and invest some money, of course, because number one, it's another sale opportunity when face-to-face shows weren't happening and national audience and that it extended for a longer period of time. Yes. So were there any other overriding reasons why you joined or additional things you were considering? (laughs) 
You'll hear more about Cassie's experience with the at-home craft and gift show right after a quick word from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or find packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. I really felt like getting in on the ground floor of this sort of amazing event was the right direction to go. Because if I didn't try it this past December, would I try it again when it was probably going to be more popular in 2021? So I wanted to get in and try it out in 2020 when I knew that it was going to be a little shaky because people weren't used to the idea. But I thought if I can do it now, then I'll be set up for the future because I'm sure that this is the way things will continue to go. Yeah. And you're right. There were quite a few people within the Gift Biz Breeze community. So listeners, that's my Facebook group that I often talk about. So just for someone who's new to the show who might not know yet. But there were a lot of people who decided they wanted to sit back for a minute and just watch it run and attended it as just a consumer, a visitor versus actually doing the exhibit. So I'm glad that you stepped up and did it. First off, I always find that when you are one of the first, you're much farther along than anybody else because you started sooner. Right. But you also get price cuts because existing <laughs> customers, That's you know, right. that loyalty. I don't have the work in setting up my booth again because thankfully Holly and Robert have made that an easy smooth way into 2021 is that I'm going to be able to use my 2020 booth and just update it as needed. And I won't spend near the time. Think about when you go to an in-person show, you have to load up, you have to unload when you get there, you have to set it all up, then you have to load it back up and come back home and unload. And I don't have any of that to do. None of it. Yeah, it's true. I think I just redid my booth for April too. just updated. I think it took me 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I just switched out a product that I wanted to promote, just cleaned some things up, perfected how it looks a little bit, and that was it. I'm ready. Right. I highly <laughs> recommend everybody, if they're thinking about joining, to listen to your podcast that had Robert on there talking about things. Because I learned, even from that podcast, about what I could have done in better with my booth in 2020, and I'll definitely implement in 2021. Ooh, like what? Making my product selection smaller really hitting the best sellers because once somebody clicks on that, it takes them to your website and they'll see everything. But don't put everything from your website onto the booth because it might overwhelm someone and they might not see the thing that is your best seller that they would have otherwise seen. Right. That's a good point because one of the things that the platform allows you to do is actually bring in a lot of your products, I think even from Shopify or somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Like you might be showing 50, 60 products there. And you're right, just people just aren't going to look. Yeah. So the best sellers are what you need to have front and center. And I need to change that around. Mm -hmm. And then the nice thing is it goes through your normal payment program, right? So yes. if someone clicks on one of those things that's your best seller, it jumps them over to your website shopping cart. So your behind the scenes processes just stay the same. Yes, it's so simple. Yeah, it's really great. 
Anything else that you're thinking of upgrading or adjusting for this year? Hopefully getting some new videos posted from my YouTube channel. I really think that that helps even if they don't want to chat with you, because I'm sure I had some visitors that were shy about doing the chat function. They can watch my personality through those videos. Right. So Gift Biz listeners, again, you might not know that one of the things that really sets this show aside, it's direct to consumer. So it's not a wholesale trade show. This is direct to consumer. And one of the things that you're able to do if you're exhibiting is you have a live screen and there's a couple of times during the show. So it's not like you have to be live for like weeks at a time or something, (laughs) right? But there's a couple hour segments where like you could talk to Cassie. So everyone, you guys are going to have to go to the show and see all of Cassie's (laughs) stuff. Like that's just a requirement. I'm telling you all here. But when she is available, you could just click in and Cassie can chat with you about the products and answer questions. Or you might just want to pop in and say hi and tell her how much you're enjoying the soup that you made for lunch or, you know, whatever. So it's as close to a personal in-person show as you can possibly get. Yes. But I think you're right. I mean, that's one of the things that we learned. And because this is unique to the at-home show and not available with other virtual consumer shows, I mean, a lot of people just threw something up quickly. And I think it's great that they did because they couldn't do a face-to-face show. And now they're abandoning it and having the face-to-face shows as they come back. At-home events is going to continue to be virtual shows. And the more people come, the more they're going to understand that they can do that live portion. Right. So you'll do videos. Have you thought of doing like a demo live with people who come and see you there? I've thought about it. I'm not sure how I'm going to pull it off yet. There's the dog, there's the kids, phone could be ringing. And I know that people maybe would find that great, that it would feel great to see me as a real person in my home kitchen. I don't have Wi-Fi out in the manufacturing facility, so I couldn't do it there. All those metal pieces of siding and things would keep me from being able to do it there. But It is something that Holly has tagged me that maybe that would be something I could do. So we'll have to come up with something. Well, or just think about it. You know, and that's too bad because I was just thinking to myself, forget even the demos if you already have the videos. But it would be so cool to do. Let's do a behind the scenes of our production facility. Let me just show you where everything is done. I'm wondering if you could just do a video on your phone and then play it during you're live. Like even if it's five minutes or so, you'd still be live. Sure. Yeah, that's an option. I don't know functionality wise if you can do that. We'll have to make it happen. Oh, I love that spirit. (laughs) Because I'd be really curious, you know, like I could so see you, you don't have to show your home, but like walking from your house to like the last few steps. Right. Yeah, here I am. Going in and then showing a little bit of the equipment or the production or like I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And the whole point is to get people over to see you at a certain period of time so that then they'll interact with you and then they'll buy because you've talked with them. Right. <laughs> that is always the goal. <laughs> is it now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So you're doing the two shows this year. Love, love, love that. We've talked about some of the things that you'll change. Let's go back to the one that you've done. So you have one under your belt because that's all we've had so far. Right. Were there any surprises with the show? Positive or negative? We want to be truthful here. (laughs) (laughs) Really, it was a great experience. I went in kind of like I did that very first farmer's market. If it does great, wonderful. If it doesn't, I'm out the money, but that's in the time. But I'm going to reach at least one more customer. My email list grew dramatically because of the giveaway. 
that was part of the show. And I gained at least one customer. And I know that I gained far more than that. When I went into it with that, I don't want to say low expectation, but just the attitude that it's going to be okay. One way or the other, it's going to be okay. And I was pleasantly surprised at the number of people that came in to visit. And Holly and Robert were so available. Whenever you had a question, I could not believe how available they were for helping whenever you had questions. Oh, yeah. Because it was such a new thing that we had no idea what we were doing. And they were great to get us to where we needed to be. Had great tips, the video opportunities that they had for us to come on and ask questions before the show. It was incredible. And it was well worth every penny. That's one of the reasons why I was really attracted and decided to partner with them is they really do care. They really do. And I think it's okay for me to say this, but (laughs) they are turning some of the questions that all of you had into videos. So Robert's making some on-demand videos. So if there was something, let's say this was your first time coming in, you wouldn't have to wait for those nighttime Q&As. You could go Mm -hmm. in and just, if you had a question of one thing or another. They're still going to do the Q&As too, but a lot of it will already be self-serve so that you can work on your time, not theirs too. Yeah, I do recommend that if people get the opportunity to attend those Q&As, assuming that they're still going to have those, it's great because like at a in-person show, you get to meet the different vendors. Well, this is an opportunity to still meet all of those vendors. And I made relationships from those opportunities that we had as a group. Yeah, that's a good point too, Cassie. I didn't think about that. I also want to just make one point that you didn't attach an emotional meaning to your result, right? You went into it, as you did with the farmer's market, seeing what happens. Right. Versus being all emotional about, oh, I didn't get enough customers, I didn't sell anything, whatever, which wasn't the case for you. But that's something that every time, you guys, we try something new, is consciously in your mind, separate the results from who you are, (laughs) and who your business is. Absolutely. You'll learn from it, but it's when we make those emotional connections. Like, look, let's say you didn't even sell anything. You just talked about new email potential you have. Right. Right, something brand new that might pay out down the road. Absolutely. Did you say that you were seeing sales before the show even started too? I did not from this show because I think that when we first became live. That was both the live chat and the ability for people to shop. I think that happened at the same time. Okay. So I did not see anything ahead of time now. Okay. And then during the show, and then you were able to equate sales throughout the rest of the month until the show shut down formally, you were able to equate those back to the show? For the most part, because especially if they were out of state and I'd never heard their name, I never saw them as part of my social media or anything like that, that they must have been from that show because I don't know where else they would have found me because they don't just look up Cassie's Country Covered without having met me in one way or another. Right. Okay. All right. That makes sense. And I love that you were tracking it. I mean, for you then, naturally, it was kind of easy to track because if they were out of state, then it just seemed to be a link. Right. And let's say a couple of those weren't, you still have a good feel for how many people who came in who were. Right. And the best part was when you finished chatting with someone and then your phone told you that you had an order and that was the same name as the person you just chatted with. You knew that the chat function worked, that because they got to meet you, that was why they purchased. Oh, that's good. That is really good. What types of questions would people come in and ask you? 
a lot of it was about the ingredients, which I love to talk to people because that whole do no harm. I am very confident in my ingredients. However, they might have certain dietary concerns. And so we would talk through gluten-free, salt or sodium levels to make sure that what I said about the different ingredients, there's no artificial colors or artificial flavors. I would read them the ingredient label from what I had behind me in my display. I love that connection too, don't you? That you're mm-hmm. actually able to see some of your potential customers and you feel like you know them better because you've been able to talk to them face to face. Right. And like all of us know Zoom now. So even though it's not <laughs> the Zoom functionality, everyone's comfortable with it. I think some people like have OD'd on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> but as we get to a new normal, that comfort level with that will remain. So that's going to be great. So, well, good luck with this upcoming show. Thank you. I'm very excited. And obviously, I'm part of it. I'll be there. We'll be talking. And I see you in the breeze. So all of that is great. I am so happy that you took the leap of faith, started with the first one, saw such great results. And myself, Robert and Holly, obviously are here to support you throughout all the shows. So that goes without saying, probably. (laughs) Yes. And we all appreciated it. (laughs) It was a great experience, for sure. So let's jump over just for a minute or two about social media and the role that that plays in your business. Sure. What platforms are you on? Instagram and Facebook, Facebook being my main platform. Okay. And how did you choose those? Facebook, because I was already on there, and Instagram came several years later before I really got into that. I didn't understand it. I still know that I really do. The only reason I post on there is because Facebook and Instagram are now combined. And so when I post to Facebook, it automatically puts it over into Instagram. I'm still playing around with hashtags, so I can't wait to purchase your other opportunity where we can learn more about what to post and how to use hashtags and all that. Oh, we'll definitely do. Definitely do. Because (laughs) I mean, it's a big one. And I've already heard from people. And the only way you can get it is through content for makers. Mm -hmm. It's the only way you can get it. So giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash content for makers. I'm going to put a plug in there because like, seriously, I'm not talking to you right now, Cassie. I'm talking to everybody else. You got to get it. (laughs) Okay. So have you done any Facebook lives? I have only done it a couple times. Again, living out in this rural area, it's Wi-Fi and internet connection in general can be a little bit spotty. So that's my excuse, but that's what it is. It's an excuse. I need to just do it more. I like to do videos, but I record them and then post them as available. Well, that's fine too. I mean, live is best because they just get you naturally, right? Right. But are you putting your videos on IGTV? I've never even tried that. (laughs) If you've got all those videos, you got to just upload them there. All right. Well, I'm making a note right now. That is so easy. And you don't have to get on live. You don't have to re-record anything. You've got it. Mm -hmm. It's over. Sounds good. I'm going to be watching for those. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) How do you feel about social media overall? So you're on Facebook and Instagram, which I love. And that's such a perfect combination for the reasons you just said. They naturally merge in with each other. It's the same parent company, love-hate relationship with Zuckerberg, maybe. (laughs) Continual, because things keep changing. Right. I have a hard time believing that my business could be where it's at without social media. Again, because of the pictures and the recipes that I'm able to share with customers nationwide, that opportunity would not be there if I could only advertise in my local yellow pages in my local newspaper. I would not reach nearly as many people that way. And you can't have the pictures of the meal that you just made using your products. 
that's not something that you would put in your advertisement. So I don't do any Facebook ads. It's all organic and people share my products that way. And the stuff you put up is unbelievable. Like you see my comments. I'm always like, yum, (laughs) (laughs) you got to try this. Oh my gosh, like always. So how often are you posting? How do you fit that into your business life? I typically post once a day. I use the scheduling through Facebook, the business suite app, Mm -hmm. and it's pretty easy for me because I have a meatless Monday, a tip Tuesday or taco Tuesday, switch it up, wacky Wednesday, thirsty Thursday or thankful Thursday. Freezer Friday is always popular. Freezer meals are my go-to all the time. Sweet Saturday and slow cooker Sunday, or that's typically. So I have that theme every week and it's pretty easy to post something every day. Yeah, because you already know approximately what the topic's going to be. Right. So that's fabulous. And so you just take your picture and actually create the post each and every day. You don't have it already figured out or scheduled for the week? I try to schedule on Sunday nights for the entire week, but maybe there's a recipe I still plan to make for dinner that week that I'll share in a day or two. But for the most part, I try and schedule at least several days, if not the entire week. Perfect. That just makes it so much easier. Yes. Especially with your time of the other job, too. Right. And I'll be honest, I have limited my screen time. I love how my iPhone allows me to do that per app. And I have really shrunk down the amount of time I'm allowed to be on Instagram and Facebook to keep me from having that time suck of scrolling. Mm -hmm. So it's good for me to be able to just post them and to schedule them out. And that way I don't spend my limited screen time doing that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) And people who are on Clubhouse need to be doing that too. (laughs) I'm saying that to everybody, but I'm really saying it to myself. (laughs) I try to do that. I limit my time there as well. I don't limit my time as much on social media, especially in the breeze, because you guys are my community there. Right. Right. So I want to be there. I need to be there. And you all make me smile so much with all the things that you create. I'm like so serious when I say that. It's just my happy place online. (laughs) Well, you do a great job of leading us through great conversations. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So as you move forward, what are you thinking for Cassie's Country Cupboard? Are you looking at adding in new lines or like even just take us through like the next year? What are you thinking with your planning there? Sure. I do have a couple new products that I plan to get out there in the next year, whether it's a few throughout the year, or if I just put them all out at once, we'll see how it all goes. But I do want to approach the wholesale side a little bit more because that's a heck of a lot easier to sell cases of product versus just the individual ones direct to consumer. And it seems to me, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you are set up for growth. Like assuming you're staying with your nine to five, like your life isn't changing. But if you get more business, and this is a common problem for people who make their product, is the more business they get, the more work they've just created for themselves. But with this new facility that you have, you could ramp it up without affecting the time that you put into your business. Absolutely. Yep. I could definitely hire people to do the work for me. I do have, as the kids are getting older, whether they help or they just need me less for their daily needs, they can get their own food. They can clean the house when I ask them to. They can do their chores without me having the oversight. So I can spend more time out there or I can hire. Absolutely. Lots of options. I remember when I had my gift basket business, my daughter was still in high school. And around the holidays, well, and my girlfriends I'd bring in too, (laughs) but not for some of the intricate things that I had to do or my designers had to do, but shipping labels or boxing or bow making sometimes, like different things like that. Well, with my girlfriends... 
they got rewarded coming over to my house and having dinner and drinking <laughs> wine, right? Yeah. But my daughter's friends got money, like $25 for several hours in the afternoon for fun, right? Right. And they got to chat while they were doing it. Yeah. Cell phones aside, though. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you're working, you've got to work, but they were all together. So the people they would be calling are right there. Right. We did that a couple of times. But the nice thing about that, like friends and family helping, is you can ramp it up and pull it back as you need to. Right. They don't depend on you for their paycheck. Right. Oh, my gosh, Cassie, I am. First off, I love your products. So thank you for sharing them with the world because they are yummy. As I said in the (laughs) beginning, that's the only word I have for them. Like, seriously, I should have asked my husband what his single adjective would be and see what he would have said. I'll tell you on the side. Hopefully a good one. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Not even a question. I'll ask him and then let you know on the side, Cassie, what his word is. (laughs) Sounds good. I love what you've done in terms of setting up your company because in every way you are positioned for growth in a way that fits in your life, which is such a fabulous demonstration. If someone wants to take a look at your products, where would you send them online? Definitely www.cassiescountrycupboard.com. And if you ever want to just see different inspiration for the different products, Facebook or Instagram would be the place to go. Perfect. And you probably have links over there on your website too, how to link over. Yes. Is it Cassie's Country Cupboard everywhere? Yes. Again, a business best practice. Why am I not surprised? (laughs) (laughs) I'm lucky with my name. I'm not, Cassie is common, but it's not super common. Like Sue. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But having the same name all over makes it so much easier. And it's so perfect for your brand. Cassie, thank you so much for spending time with us today. No problem. I'm so glad you got to hear Cassie's story. It demonstrates what's achievable for each and every one of you. Think about it. She came up with the idea tested it out first with people she knew, and then with those she didn't at her first craft show. That gave her validation that her product was one that people would buy. From there, she continued to grow her business by perfecting the labeling, starting a website, all the things that you want to put in place when your product is no longer a hobby, but a business. This is possible for you too. Remember the order, idea, test the market, then build the business in that order. If you want to know more about the at-home craft and gift show Cassie talked about, you're in luck because there's still time to register for the April show. Go over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash at-home booth and remember to enter in the code giftbiz10 to get an additional 10% off if you're a first-time exhibitor. I'll make sure to connect all of this in the show notes for your easy reference, too. As always, thanks for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, would you give me the gift of leaving a rating and review? That means so much to me and helps the show get seen by more makers. It's a great way to pay it forward. It's also best to subscribe so that the episodes automatically download to your phone. That way, you don't miss a single thing. Not sure exactly how to subscribe? Just pull up Gift Biz Unwrapped on your podcast app of choice and tap the subscribe button. Easy! (laughs) And now, be safe and well, 
and I'll see you next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 